Welcome to Inside Stories. I'm Tequila. And I'm Jen. This week we have Alexandra Delcourt with us. So welcome. Hi, thank you. Hey. Um, so the story we're listening to, this is, a, this is from a, a different place than we've heard stories before. Another storytelling group in town is Madison Storytellers, and they um, did a storytelling event at Mystery to Me. And the, maybe you could tell us more about it. You told a story from your favorite book? I did, yeah. Um, it was a show. There were five people who came to tell stories, and they were you had to submit a synopsis and you know, like propose what kind of story you would tell. Um, and then they had to accept people based on those synopses. Um, and then the show was at the bookstore. And uh, it was Mel Hammond, who I think was on this podcast. Yeah, so actually it's Mel Hammond. Uh, Charles, Ch- Charles Payne and Brendan Pankey. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, all, all of them. All, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we're just going to listen to the story you told, okay. and um, then we'll talk about it. Okay. About six years ago, I got a call from my mom um, telling me that her father had died um, and that we she had to go to the funeral. Um, and now her father was living in the Philippines at the time. And so when she called me, she said, you know, my, my dad passed away. I'm going to the Philippines tomorrow morning. I'll be there for a month. Do you want to come? <laughs> and that was pretty scary because um, I, you know, a couple of reasons. I had never been there before. I didn't have any time to prepare. I didn't really know that side of my family at all, Um, but also um, because I wasn't particularly close to my mom. Um, When I was in elementary school, my mom married my stepdad, and he had three other kids that were around my age, and we all lived in this um, house in the country because he wanted to be a farmer, and and it turned out, you know, in time we we figured out that he was a pretty uh, troubled guy. Um, you know, uh, he was insecure and he was very paranoid and, um, he was very emotionally and sometimes physically abusive, you know, um, most of the time he took it out on my mom though, not on us. And so he would do things like, you know, she's from the Philippines, so he would, he would make fun of her accent or her food or her, uh, language or politics or, you know, whatever other thing, um, and I didn't really get it at the time, but now I understand that's probably one of the reasons that I didn't know that side of my family very much. Um, you know, they, they stopped talking um, when, while they were married. And so I didn't really have, you know, a very strong connection to my family in the Philippines. And I kind of had this subconscious aversion to it, right, because that was the messaging I had been getting from the time I was young, that this is something that's bad. This is something that's, um, you know, that you should make fun of. This is something that's not, you know, worth, worth your time. And so um, I remember once when I was in college having a discussion with a professor of mine and some of this stuff came up and he told me, I really think you should read this book called 100 Years of Solitude, which is the book I'm talking about. And, um, and he said, I, you know, it's, in my opinion, the best piece of literature ever written. He just kind of left it there. So I did. I picked it up and I started reading it and it was stunning, right? This stunning prose that is... Uh, poetic and magical and um, profoundly specific, right? And in the story, it is. And um, in the story, it's it's the the story of a hundred years in this town in in Colombia, and the matriarch of the family, Ursula. She watches generations and generations and generations of her family all like 
go through these same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And she tells them every time, like, don't do that thing. We've been here before, right? Um, and then every time they're like, no, I'm going to be the one to, to like, beat it. I'm going to be the one to break the cycle, and I'm going to be the one that's successful where no one else was. And then they're not. And then, and, um, you know, throughout the book, they are deciphering these these prophecies that are written in, in ancient texts and every time they decipher one of these prophecies it's the very act of deciphering that makes the prophecy come true right and it's like this edifice kind of thing um, and, and she, she's like every time she's like I told you <laughs> right so um, uh, fast forward then to we're going to the Philippines and it's this grueling journey right it's like 40 hours no sleep and when we get there, um, we go straight from being on the road to this mausoleum, which I hated because I, I don't like like death and you know and ghosts and like you know, feeling haunted by things. And um, but in the Philippines, you know, when someone dies, it's not just like a wake and a funeral. You have to like sit with the body for several days, twenty four seven. Right? You have to like be there in in that moment and. So that was weird. It was very surreal because, again, we had very little sleep and I didn't know any of these people and also it's a mausoleum. And what I didn't realize is that I was walking into this like family feud situation where my grandfather's current wife, you know, she was like not happy to see my mom and her siblings at all. There was like, you know, they were fighting over who was the legitimate family and who was going to get the land and the money and the house or whatever, you know, the things. Um, and I learned a lot of stuff at that time. I always knew that my mom's mom had died when she was very young of leukemia, but what I learned is that actually my mom believes that she died of a broken heart because her dad had uh, cheated on her and had this like second secret family in another country. So then when she died, he you know left them and went to go live with this family and. And it was like this weird moment where I had never really felt like I belonged here, right? Because I never knew anything about this family, but I was like looking down at my grandfather's body in this glass case. Um, and I felt like for the first time, I weirdly belonged there, right? Because there's like this fighting happening and there's all these secrets. And I was like, I recognize this. I've been here before, you know? Um, I was like, I, you know, I all of a sudden felt really close to my mom in a way I had never, had never before, you know, because I, I knew what it was to love and mourn someone who had hurt you, right? So when, when my mom was finally ready to leave my stepdad, she had come down into my bedroom and said, you know, pack your stuff. We have a new house and we're going tomorrow, right? And so overnight I kind of lost most of my family. And that had happened to her too and I never knew, right? And and there was like this the faction in their house where he had this like secret second family and then you know in our house we had these sort of two factions going as well and it was like even though this is kind of like a little messed up um i weirdly feel close to you all <laughs> in a way that's kind of nice and um and i remember you know looking down at, at his body and it was waxy and shrunken and and this passage from this book came into my head and in the scene she is talking to one of her grandchildren, I believe, and, and he's saying, like, what, did you expect it to be different? Um, time is passing. And she's like, well, maybe not so much, <laughs> right? Because she had just um, realized that she had given the exact same response to her grandchild that her husband had given years and years and years ago, and that somehow 
they were just like living these same moments over and over again, right, without necessarily realizing that they were doing it. Um, and that's what it felt like to me. I was like, even though I don't know these people and they're half a world away from me and there's always been this kind of distance, it's like I'm just doing the same thing, same thing that you did over and over and over again. And, and it makes you feel included a little bit. Um, and, you know, and she says in that moment, she says she realizes that time wasn't passing, but it was turning in a circle, right? And so I'm sitting there looking at this body and feeling kind of good. And, um, uh, you know, we somehow get through the trip, right? And it's grueling and everyone's sick because you know, the bacteria in the water or whatever. And um, <laughs> we get home. Well, <laughs> we get home. And, you know, after that, I did feel closer to my mom. And even though we're not necessarily great still, right, there still is this, this distance. It, it gets a bit better, you know. Um, and But even now, you know, in, in those moments where I feel this kind of disconnect and this isolation and this, you know, sense that, that you don't belong or you're not um, worthy, you know, I remember back to that moment where it's kind of like, oh, this, this body in the glass case, it's, it's not so different from you. Like, it, it is you in a way, right? And when you realize that, it's kind of like, oh, well, where do we go from here? <laughs> you know, but all you can do is just, like, wake up the next day and, and try to be open to things that, that happen in your life. Um, so now, you know, when I, when I still feel those old things, you know, come back and haunt a little bit or, or when it's hard to feel connected to people, um, I tend to go back to the very last line of this book where it's the last um, member of this family and he's deciphering the last prophecy. And the prophecy says, you know, when the last person finishes this line, that's going to be the end of this family, right? That's the moment that the family dies. That's the moment that this town blows into dust. And the things that are written here are things that can never be repeated because when a, a race is doomed to a hundred years of solitude, they don't get a second chance in on this earth. And it seems kind of bleak, right? It's kind of like, well, yeah, that feels a little hopeless. Um, but I, I think it's actually a bit the opposite, right? The idea that um, you may not get a second chance, so you have to live your life when you're alive, right? And that when you're dead, it's done, except maybe it's not. That, that was really enjoyable. I really, I mean, I, the, you know, the idea of like, how do you sort of tell your story around a book? Um, you know, it's an interesting idea. And I really like how you did it. And the, the one line that um, really stands out for me, which is a line from the book, which I probably read 30 years ago, so I mm-hmm. didn't really remember the book, which is, um, time wasn't passing, it's turning in a circle. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, that line is tattooed on my back. Really? <laughs> wow. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to get that tattoo for a really long time, and I was like, I was going to get it um, on my, uh, I was going to get it the day that I graduated with my MFA, and then I didn't. And I was going to get it when I got my job at Whitewater, and then I didn't. And I was going to get it the day that he passed away. I was like, oh, I'm going to go right now, because I just found out that he passed away, and I didn't. I was going to get it on my 30th birthday, and then I didn't. So last year, I finally got it for no reason. Nice. <laughs> That's usually what it yeah. happens, just for no yeah. reason. yeah. Um, and what I, I mean, it was really interesting hearing how you sort of talked about, you know, around that quote, but I just feel like, um, like, for, you know, the, the, like the weight of a family history can be crushing, you know, mm-hmm. and so, and how do you, like, you know, how do you work through that? And I love how you sort of shared your family story with that. So Thank you. That was cool. It, yeah, that was actually a pretty pared down version of that story. 
um, that so it was like two threads. There was like the book, and then there was the trip to the Philippines. Originally, there was a third thread in there too, where it was me talking about the book that I'm writing, which also has the exact same patterns. And it was a family from three generations ago, and so it was like them going through the same things, and then you know my mom going through the same things, and then me going through the same things. But just because of time, there was no way to include all of that. Um, it would have been twenty minutes. You know, right. it would have been like a twenty minute story. So when Hopefully you finish, you tell that somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. so like when you finish your book and you go on your, your yeah, book events, right. you know, then then you can, I can talk then you can about do it. it. Yeah, I love too the way you made the connection with your family and your mom's family. Like you've never met them before, and it was all weird. And like strangely enough, through dysfunction, I belong. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that's a weird thing, but it's kind of a not a settling thing, but you know, it's kind of like we have that in common. We can right. say, "Yep." You're a little messed up, uh-huh. so is mine. But um, I really like how you tie that back to the book, too. She keeps talking about that, but you did a good job of tying that, like, not necessarily generational curses, but generational curses yeah, kind of. back to the book and your family, both sides, your mom and with your dad. So yeah. what was that like to kind of find those common threads? In that it's kind of, it's weird, you know, it's the kind of thing that I think you're really resistant to when you're a little bit younger. And then I turned 30 a couple of years ago. And so the last couple of years have been like, oh, is this what it means to be an adult? <laughs> like having those kinds of thoughts. And and so that's kind of been like my friends and I lately, it's, it's always been like, oh, oh young people. <laughs> like we finally got to the age where you can talk about young people now. And so I feel like I've just now gotten to the point in my life where I can start to talk about those things and start to think about those things differently. Um, and so this is really the first time that I like talked about it or tried to map it out on paper, you know, because before it's like you think about that stuff, but you don't really sit down and and turn it into something or or try to make sense of it until you have to like put a story together or do something like that. So it was kind of a um, interesting um, and is sometimes difficult, you know, like thing to do. I would sit there and like, oh, I don't know what to talk about, you know, Um, you just kind of have to force yourself to go there. Mm -hmm. I I like too how um, it wasn't sort of, doesn't you came at like straight straight at it wasn't like an important part of it but you know I think just sort of like all of the ripple effects when there's abuse in a family right and so like for you um it meant that you weren't close to your family in the Philippines right and so it's just kind of you know it's always interesting to follow like the thread of like where something started Mm -hmm. and how it came to be so I liked I liked how you included that thanks yeah again it's the type of thing that I didn't even know was a thing until fairly recently right you know did you make connections with any of your family when you were out there? A few. I had some cousins um, who were a little bit younger that I met, and now we're like Facebook friends and stuff. Oh, okay. You know, so I don't, we don't really talk, um, but I can, you know, they like my things and I like their things. <laughs> so that's something. That's, yeah. yeah. When they ask me, because I know you teach at Whitewater, mm-hmm. and so I thought it was nice that you included in the story that it was a conversation with a professor who was like, took enough of an interest in you to say, this book will help you, mm-hmm. which it did. And so is that something you sort of carry forward as a professor? I try to. Um, I have, I'd, I'd say I have a few students that I've gotten kind of close. I actually just got to save the date for one of my former students' weddings. And that was really nice. Aww. So I do have a few that I've gotten kind of close with. That professor I was talking about, actually, his name was Harold Shoy. He just died like a few months ago. Oh. Um, yeah. But he was like a uh, institution at in Madison. He was the one that did like the African storyteller class. And, oh, yeah. I did yeah, read about it. I did see him. it was a yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it was him. I took a few classes with him. Um, I also, uh, this is sort of following up a little bit on what Tequila said earlier, but I, d- I did sort of like that part where basically 
because there was sort of like a Dallas family kind of feuding going on, you know, about the land, you know, mm-hmm. that that was sort of this moment that connected you with your family. You know, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, one thing we do, and of course, I partly know the answer to this because uh, Alexandra is the person who I co-host uh, or co-produce, sorry, co-produced the moth with. And so the question we ask people is, how do you use storytelling in your in your life? And so um, that's our question to you as well. <laughs> how do I use storytelling? Um, honestly, I was having this weird thought while we were listening to the audio. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is exactly what I sound like in class. <laughs> I was like, because I kept saying like, right, and you know, and you know, and I was like, oh, that's exactly so how I talk awesome. in class. I know, yeah. I know. Um, but yeah, I, I think because I don't tell stories at the moth very often, but like. Um, because I teach creative writing and I teach literature classes, like a lot of times when I'm trying to like illustrate a point or whatever, most of the time it ends up coming out in kind of like story form, like things from my life, just because I, I'm not a very formal person. And so my classes tend to be quite informal and I joke around a lot, but it gets, it gets kind of personal. Like they, a lot of my students like call me by my first name and stuff. And, um, so I think I just talk about myself a lot um, to illustrate points because it's easier for me than trying to go really theoretical, which just isn't as comfortable for me, I guess. Or as colorful to right. listen right. to. Right. Right. Yeah. So right. if I have to like lecture something, oftentimes it comes out sounding just like that. <laughs> awesome. Other story or the question that we have of storytellers is um, favorite thing to do in Madison. Favorite thing to do in Madison. Um, I mean, I love the farmers market. <laughs> In the summer, I live on State Street, and so it's just a couple blocks away. So, like, I can wake up in the morning, not have to really get that ready, and just walk a block to the farmer's market, like, get a cheese bread and like a coffee, and then like come back to my apartment and have my breakfast. (laughs) So, it's pretty good. You know, it's like you feel connected to people, but then I don't have to commit to being there because I live so close. You could just be out and like go to a few stands and go, and then come home. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Well, great. Well, um, thanks for coming in. Thanks for letting well, us play the story. Me. Yeah, and I'm excited that we got to get a story from Madison Storytellers because mm-hmm. we're trying to hit all the storytelling events around town in our podcast. So thanks a lot. And Thank thanks you. for a new book, too, because now I'm going to buy that book because I've never read it, it before. It's wonderful. It's it's long and it's weird. It took me like a few tries to get through it, but once I did, I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, This is a game changer for me. And then didn't they feel like a bunch of famous people were in a movie like 20 years Actually, ago? Actually, um, that was Love in the Time of Cholera, oh, but they are putting, they're making, I don't remember if it's Netflix or if it's, it's some like streaming thing. Um, they're making Hundred Years of Solitude into a miniseries, oh. which is kind of like, oh, I really Risky. hope they do. Yeah, I right. really hope they do it well, because if not, everyone's going to be really mad, but um, it is coming. <laughs> so great. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Well, after listening to that story, I'm definitely going to go look at that book again. It's been a yes. long time. And this time I'm going to go local. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm a weirdo. I like dysfunction in stories and families. Um, not always to be in the dysfunction, but it's always nice when that's a connector and you can kind of see the humanity weave throughout people's stories. So appreciate that. And the book recommendation. Yeah. And uh, now I'm curious. I'm going to see if they do any other events like that where you tell stories through your favorite book. Um so now we're just going to do our nitty-gritty details of this podcast. And so, first of all, um, please like us if you don't already like us on Facebook because we post all kinds of things that um, about the storytellers. Maybe we'll post 
an article about them or some music that they produced. Who knows? So Inside Stories podcast mm-hmm. um, is how you can find us on Facebook or email us. We love to hear from people. It's also Inside Stories podcast at gmail.com. And thanks to Richard for the studio space um, and everything that he does. Also, a quick reminder to shop local, um, especially with our um, origin stories that we did. So show those nice folks some love. Also, I want to thank the Dane County's Arts Commission for giving us a little grant to keep this podcast going. And um, I think that's all I have to say. That's it for right now. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.